Hello and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal episode 116. So after a bit of time away I've decided I kind of want to bring the podcast back as primarily down to do a lot of listeners being very kind and sort of reaching out and saying they, they sort of really enjoyed it and and liked what I did so I've decided I, I, I should make time for it and come back to this and after taking about nine months off from it I've, I've got a quite a few ideas and I, I said like it may well have been just the start of a hiatus and I might bring this back for the odd special episode so we'll see how it goes I've got a topic in mind for today's episode at any rate and a few more few more in the works so there'll at least be a, a couple more coming out and we'll we'll see how that goes I guess so in this episode I'll be covering the short-lived German label Morbid Music my reason for doing this is I finally tracked down all the albums this label put out on CD because they only did a grand total of four releases uh, between 91 and 92 exclusively death metal um i've previously actually covered one of these releases on the podcast that is the hilariously badly named band jumping jesus with their one and only album the art of crucifying but i want to go over this again to give some more context to the label as well so i'll be reviewing sort of all four albums um because they're, they're quite a good insight to the the sort of german scene at the time which is maybe one of the more unsung death metal scenes like they're very famed for their thrash but actually Germany sort of had a huge outpouring of death metal bands they just didn't have that one that got huge they they there isn't really the German entombed or morbid angel like there's lots of lots of bands of these cool releases but none that ever got that kind of you know, household name famous. So as I mentioned, Morbid Music is a sub-label of West Virginia Records, uh, which was founded by uh, husband and, well, then husband and wife team, Sabina Klassen and Andy Klassen of Holy Moses fame. And I think this label, like, I would assume it was set up to put out that sort of string of releases Holy Moses put out through the early 90s. There's a fair few other bands on the roster, a variety of genreless and power metal, thrash metal, um, some sort of weirder stuff, and a, a couple of other death metal bands, um, but none of it really known in the same way something like Holy Moses is. And then we have Morbid Music, which seems to be focusing on a specific style of death metal. Like the four releases on it all felt very related. I haven't actually checked out the death metal um, from West Virginia Records. I'm not quite sure the reasoning behind splitting those out into sub-labels. But even so, I think um, the four Morbid Music releases paint a really interesting picture of that early German death metal scene. So to do this properly, I'm going to have to retrace some old ground and review an album I have covered on the podcast before, and this is by far the most famous release from um, Morbid Music. Uh, this is Jumpin' Jesus, The Art of Crucifying. Fame, like, I, I think almost universally accepted one of the worst band names ever, and coupled with like a an album cover that really looks like a kind of 12-year-old's attempt at recreating a, a, a HR Giga cover. Um, it's it, it's a hard sell, like, aesthetically, if you're just sort of passing over it, saying, like, a in a CD shop. But this this album is kind of fantastic and is remained kind of well-loved for, for good reason. So the band formed a bit before the, the point. Um, they, they started in 89, um, released a demo tape in 1990 and then we get their full length The Art of Crucifying at some point in 1991. I've been struggling to find the time of release so the the free 91 albums won't be kind of chronological. But what you get with Jumpin' Jesus is a really interesting kind of blend of like very ambitious technical um, early death metal with that sort of really flashy guitar style like somewhat reminiscent of your kind of alters a madness morbid angel like in the interview um in the booklet for the kind of re-release album they cite sort of wanting to get the drums to sound like they did on a terrorizer album so the the band is definitely sort of um taking influence from the kind of more techie aggressive end of the american death metal scene rather than say taking so much influence from like the burgeoning swedish scene that will be you know happening nearby at this point in time 91 is kind of an interesting point for death metal because we were kind of past the proto stages your like the, the sound of what a death metal band is i think is kind of quite codified at this point it's before we get the real 
push that would um, create the kind of splinter genres of your kind of technical death metal, your your brutal death metal. Those aren't quite there yet, but there's still that that kind of ever present influence of Frash and obviously particularly Slayer in a lot of these bands. Um, but what what I really like about Jumping Jesus is they take all those elements and create something that's kind of super chaotic, like the the Frash influence only makes the the death metal more kind of bizarre rather than rather than watering it down like in some cases where you you know hear these albums that just sound a bit chuggy at this point and yeah they and i think what really kind of puts them apart in that is the guitar duo of uh, mike gage and oliver ulrich uh, they're just absolutely brilliant players and doing really kind of fun creative stuff but without ever really delving into massive self-indulgence like there is no there is there is not a melodic solo on this album all the solos are that kind of uh the 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 jeff hanneman whammy bar noise assault um and the riffing is just so sort of bizarre and all over the place the the closer to the album through Inser's eye very strange title um it really has that feel of as i say like that kind of early morbid angel kind of chaos and this is brought together quite nicely with the very interesting vocal performance of uh miro pavlik who just throws some incredible noises over the top of this like he's got a great sort of mid-range very clear death growl that he sort of uses for the majority of this but he'll just throw in some utterly ludicrous screams in places um yeah there is there is a lot of like vocal noises on this that are utterly ridiculous i'm pretty sure i mentioned this last time but there's a bonus track of just a like line a scream he does in the track burnt offerings that sounds like the kind of has completely overwhelmed the mic with how loud and bizarre it's kind of gone um and it's yeah it's just really really cool stuff i love like that's something actually is quite true of this era of death metal as much as i say the the sound has become codified like maybe some of the experimentation has sort of gone out of the uh the kind of classic style the thing that is still a bit out there a bit weird and people keep messing around with is the vocal approach like there, there's kind of an idea of what the the core death metal vocal is but like most of the bands I'm going to cover just keep throwing other ideas at the wall, like, and it just seems to be the idea is like as long as it's extreme, it's cool, it fits. I'm probably underselling the the kind of performance of the rhythm section actually in this. Uh, Bobby Fadula, the drummer in particular, puts in an incredible performance with these really tight blast beats throughout and throwing in these like great fills and like, some really interesting grooves and things that kind of counteract the. Uh, the kind of wild guitar playing the 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 bass is there like it's it it's it sits well in the mix but he like uh the bass player never really kind of shines through but there, there's a lot fighting for attention here so that, that's no that's no real fault of it. it it suits and gives the album a kind of heaviness like the way it's produced like the the rhythm section sounds very full and it gives the you know the guitars more space to kind of be chaotic and throw all those kind of weirdness and endless kind of solos in there another thing that's very of the time period but i i find charming and you know this 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 will vary for listeners is they've got a lot of those like intros where like oh there's some kind of interesting keyboard effects and strange noises at the start of songs out of, out of the unknown and brain cramps the first two tracks both have these and i think a lot of this comes out of like this is what studios could do at the time and they were very interesting noises that people hadn't heard before but i don't know like they they work and they don't outstay their welcome and there's a few acoustic intros which i think um actually fit quite nicely and they, they, they break up the kind of the kind of madness of the album the album is actually produced mixed recorded engineered like all the credit on it is um in terms of the the kind of recording and mixing goes to andy classen the the kind of co-label owner um who owns uh, stage one studios in germany and i assume this is kind of part of the reason for setting up the label where stuff he's recording could be um we could also put it out like the guys i think he, he's long left holy moses but um 
is still very active doing sort of mixing mastering etc like he's a huge entry on metal archives uh, for stuff he's worked on and his work on this album is, is solid like it's um it's not an incredible sounding album by any means but it's got a kind of it's got a clarity to it and a brutality that the kind of you know the both the elements you sort of want from a death metal album like this i can hear what's going on but it doesn't feel overly polished. It, it is quite a raw recording, I guess, and you know, it might not stand up to those kind of legendary albums that would be coming out around the same year, like both from America, Sweden, um, even even sort of Finland and so on at this point. But um, it works, and uh, there's something about the, the charm of Jumping Jesus. He's, he's that quite sort of raw, all-over-the-place nature. Revisiting this album in terms of the catalogue of everything this label put out, I think this does still stand as the highlight. It's still the reason they're on the map. It's the reason, like, people might go back, like, I have to check out this label. And I, I'd highly advise you, you go back and give this a listen. It's a really interesting part of death metal history. And honestly, for the era it came out, it sounds like it could have been recorded two, three years later. Like, it is... It, it is a very forward-thinking death metal album, and there's, you know, as I say, there's stuff that dates it to the early 90s, but it's it, incredible performances all round, really interesting songwriting, and it's a nice tight 40 minutes as well, it doesn't outstay its welcome despite a few kind of longer songs, like the band always finds something interesting to do within them, so yeah, if you haven't, um, it's I think it's all over like sort of Spotify and Bandcamp now, it's quite easy to get hold of, so definitely pick yourself a copy of um, Jumpin' Jesus's Art of Crucifying. <laughs> So next I'm going to talk about Incubator with their album Symphonies of Spiritual Cannibalism. So released 91 as well. Incubator, interestingly, a band who kind of lasted a lot longer than the rest on this label. They are, they're still active um, in some way or another, although they haven't put out a release since 2008. They, they did quite a few albums after this, but obviously on, um, on sort of different... Um, different labels and i've not not checked out the latest stuff but what i found sort of interesting with um symphonies of spiritual cannibalism is it was a much more kind of like tight to the point release than than the others of this like the average song length for this album is about three minutes um, and it's you know 10 really kind of well put together well played although certainly probably the least technical band on um on the label but what they kind of lack in technical ability they make up for in this you know really controlled interesting songwriting the the open uh the opening track uh pub and mord comes across quite intense after the most pointless intro that annoyingly is like baked into the song just like a kind of 
strange feedbacking noise that just abruptly stops and then death metal starts. But when the death metal starts, we have this, like, you know, very brutal, like, simplistic but blasty kind of approach and um, sort of vocalist Chris has this brilliant kind of, like, harsh scream again, but, like, much like the kind of scream of this era, it's it's kind of deep and brutal but quite enunciated um and you know there, there's some cool guitar work some pretty memorable riffs but then things take a real change with the second track uh mother which slows down and becomes very doomy and he does this like sort of interesting like sing scream vocal approach and it's yeah like a far more sort of slow contemplative contemplative uh contemplative uh i think that's how you say the word uh the kind of track and but then we get back to more intense stuff with the following songs like chemical experience plants of the bazaar are far more kind of back to that aggressive but as i say like kind of like i think this like maybe is taking more influence from maybe where sort of like the british death metal scene might have been this time like these kind of like simplistic very quick blasts um rather than that kind of more wild out there sort of uh, you know the 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 as i mentioned with like jumping g just the kind of more ultra shred like as complex as you can possibly make it kind of stuff it's another andy Klassen mix and the thing about this one i think really works for me the the guitar tone has a real sort of richness to it that um that just kind of fills out the album in a really nice way the drums still they both these albums these things where the drums are very raw and a bit much like if you're listening to it on good headphones i find them like something about the intensity of them just like is a little annoying but um it's a minor gripe and i, I realized in 1991 i think they were still working out the technology for recording really bloody fast drummers like i was hardly uh hardly set out and there's certainly bands that got it a lot more wrong than than these ones did but yes i really like that guitar tone and i think it's helped by like some of the kind of melodicism they throw in on this album they say the start of the title track has like a really nice bit of lead guitar and there's a few things like that peppered throughout the album so it's not just kind of focusing on the brutal the the album cover's interesting as well i mentioned like um jumping jesus having that sort of feels like kind of geiger-esque but like very like kind of a simplistic interpretation of this this one has the same thing of a lot of like twisted very phallic statues and there's like a violin baked into them like it's a very it's an interesting alien landscape um the band logo is not the best like it doesn't it doesn't look particularly like it looks like a stoner band logo but the, the cover kind of gives gives some interesting insight lyrically the album's kind of quite abstract but interestingly like, the, the internal cover at least um of like the sort of reaping i've got uh the, there's a track on it called stop the madness and they have that like labeled over pictures of like what i believe was the pope at the time which is like a very a very to the point kind of statement but that's that's not so much in the lyrics of the actual song like the actual song is at least to my reading of it a bit more abstract also talking earlier of the the song mother there's a very interesting trend on this um label of a lot of the bands having song titles that are also the title of like a really famous song by another band like i mentioned with jumping jesus there's a song called burnt offerings which i'm sure like i'm sure they must have been aware of the testament track but seemingly happy to go with that i'd say the biggest downside of this album really is just the the closer the final the final track you brackets the death ballad it's this kind of strange sort of like creepy acoustic guitar and keyboard thing layered with these kind of like more of that kind of like sung scream vocal uh chris does and it's not in itself terrible like but it feels like something that would be more in place and say something like a band like neolithics album like something that was a bit more noticeably doomy like like really kind of doomy this is like it suddenly takes a turn just into goth at the end of the album that doesn't really have much relation to anything else but you know they they it, it's just a like a disappointing closer i guess it's not not a massive uh deal breaker interestingly the um the re-release comes with a, a whole heap of demos like almost as much music again um as the the album and they're kind of cool so this is like all the stuff leading up from like the year before and there's a few tracks that aren't on the album 
but it is just one of those ones where and maybe maybe if you're more of a demo aficionado you'll enjoy this but for me they're just a bit too raw they, like they do sound just a bit too sort of work in progress from what we'd eventually get as um as the incubator full length um but yeah, I guess they're, they're, they're cool to share the directory. Overall, as I say, I, I really like this album just for being so kind of tightly written to the point. For a, for a debut, it's it's really restrained and there's a lot of different interesting ideas in there. And it's it's certainly one that I, I think holds up for a, for a 1991 release against a lot of a lot of other interesting stuff at the time. They've, they've got their own sound. They've got their sort of own style within the the classic sort of like evolving death metal template that was was around then <laughs> So the third album I want to cover is Immortalis with their debut Inductium de Mortius, uh, the Latin translation of uh, The Certainty of Death. And as you can kind of get from that, that sort of, I don't know, the, the, those kind of titles and the band name, this is the most evil sounding, I think, of the releases from from this label. Immortalis do something very cool in this album where they, they just have a kind of very dark atmosphere something that i think in many ways throws back to that sort of first wave of black metal that would have gone just before you kind of your venom celtic frost baffery kind of sound like there is a bit of that mixed into their sort of death metal interestingly though um for a band like going for that kind of darker aesthetic i'm just like kicks in just straight out of the gate there is no intro straight into the opening kind of riff of burning existence he just hit in the face with some kind of pretty brutal nasty death metal riffing like it's and then then we get the kind of performance of um uh sebastian what's his name bilecki on um on vocals and guitar his vocal performance on this i really like he does all sorts of kind of weird stuff in there he's got this really kind of present growl like uh, i know i've been saying this about all of them but i quite like all the vocalists on these albums but yeah he has this very clear present growl but he just throws everything in there like he's got some cool like pitch shifted vocals he does some like much higher screams as long with his kind of more clear lows there's lots sort of loads of interesting stuff like that and i guess it kind of like certainly in comparison to Jumpin' Jesus this isn't as like sort of technical a release but what is interesting with Immortalis is um this isn't the case on Metal Archives but it is in the reprint um there is an official uh keyboard player credited on the album um Ulrich Dama um and while if this is not your Nocturnus there's not keyboards throughout the entire release there's 
loads of interesting passages of keyboards um most noticeably bunny existence today when it comes in very full-on fast-paced aggressive death metal and then suddenly there's a layering of like cool church organ over it and it just fits it, it works really well i think um I, I i just think it's kind of like i don't know thematically it just ties very nicely whereas it, on paper it kind of sounds like it wouldn't work and and later in the song we even get this kind of like faux choiral effect like um coming in over like the song remains in the kind of realm of like kind of like nasty kind of like you know slayerish proto death metal like throughout but um but they manage to really nicely layer in these kind of um these elements and then and then the second track subordinate gods is just a sort of minute long cool kind of keyboard transition with this kind of you know classic kind of 80s horror movie vibe to it but it really neatly leads into the second sort of proper song of the album bleeding inheritance was more of a kind of like raging death metal track um later in the album cuvidus uh brings back a lot of these keyboard ideas over the music um and you know really adds some sort of like depth um an intensity to it it's um it's another uh andy Klassen mix and yeah the that one does a really good job and it's it's not the the you know it's not the tightest sounding thing in the world but it's you know it sounds very good for for 91 and sort of um i've got the sort of the the reissue cd and the interview that goes along with it um sebastian says like um he really felt it was great having Andy on hand. Apparently he did a lot of work helping the band sort of bring together their ideas and make this kind of professional sounding album because, you know, this is a debut again and, you know, it's, it's probably very young guys at this point in time, you know, teenagers doing this. And he kind of, as a musician who, you know, he'd, like, by 91 had already put out, like, four albums, kind of knew what he was doing and and clearly added something and i think that but kind of speaks to the quality of the sort of free releases we've covered so far from morbid music of like maybe having a person like himself to sort of guide them through that is um it, it was really what like was the the kind of x factor that really helped these be great albums sadly i think the short-lived nature of the label means like a lot of these haven't seen the light of the day in the way like a lot of classic releases from like 91 and 92 may of another thing i kind of really like about immortalis is again though well actually you know more so than the other two i'd say it's got a cover that sort of really actually does do the job this sort of painting of a an eerie figure in this kind of shrouded archways um yeah the the, the painting for the cover is really cool sadly not a good logo i just i don't like the immortalis logo at all it looks I, I don't know it just doesn't work for me but like you know that's made up for by the really good album cover this band much like uh jumping jesus a sadly short-lived one so they had a couple of demos leading up to to um indicium de mortius oh god i'm definitely doing the latin wrong for that i'm sorry uh and they're, they're, they're cool like the the 89 uh demo when the band was originally named blasphemy changing the name later because the canadian band of the same name got more successful um a cool like none of, i don't think any of those tracks make it onto the the full length but they're they're very proto and raw but they, they they've got their they've got their charms and then the following my requiem demo from 1990 we uh we kind of see a lot of the songs that would make it to the album in much more rough and ready forms what's interesting and kind of the the tragic thing with this band is after such a promising debut, um, there there's clearly some internal strife, and there's a bit of a lineup change, and we do get the final death demo from 1993, which shows the band being really kind of ambitious, getting more technical, more complex, more weird, and shows real promise. But it is clearly like a well, to, to my ears, anyway, it really sounds like a pre-production kind of demo of a great setup of, like, you know, 25 or so minutes of music for, for a follow-up album. And sadly, it sounds like internal politics just led to the band sort of um, sort of fizzling out at that point. Um, 
but as it stands, like you, you can now get like it, it's a little. Um, I think it's a little pricey, but not crazy. You can track down the sort of the uh, Dark Descent uh, repress of this, where they I, I know about all these demos because they have a bonus disc that includes sixteen tracks of demo material on top of the main album, and you know charts the the short history of this band. In terms of the album itself, I should say, for, for all my praise of it, it does somewhat front-load itself with the, the good ideas. Like, I, I I think the whole thing is a really interesting experience, but the first five tracks are definitely the best. It has a bit of a tail-off. Although it does have quite a fun ending where, like, you know, really showcasing those influences, just straight-up covering Venom's Countess Baffery in a very you know, like, uh, true to the original style. What's quite nice about it is um, the vocals he does on this aren't his, like, more traditional death metal scream. He goes for this kind of more kind of thrashy vocal that makes him sound incredibly like the vocalist of Destruction. And actually that voice appears in a few of the tracks. And I, I quite like that kind of stuff. There's there's certainly a nod to, as well as, I guess, um, they, they, as I say, the kind of venoms of the world, like, there probably is a bit of that kind of German thrash scene in here, which may add to the kind of the evilness of the sound. Like those early German thrash um, recordings, like they're they're pretty damn dark. And yeah, the couple of moments as they the voice comes in, that just sounds very reminiscent of those. And kind of interesting, um, interesting like side note, along with Andy, um, uh, Tritli. Trites? I don't know how you say his name. The guitarist of Creator who was on the the kind of, not the first album, but the three after that up to Extreme Aggression is credited with engineering in this. I don't know if he, um, I don't know if he ended up working in that studio. I, I can't find anything else he's particularly credited with, but he's credited on this album. This would have been a couple of years after he had departed Creator, so I'm not quite sure what he's involved with there, but yeah, according to Metal Archives, he had some some kind of hand on it. As far as um, as far as the band went, yeah, as I say, they broke up in '93. A couple of members went on to form the kind of equally uh, short-lived Lacrima Christi, um, like another progressive death metal act. Apparently, I've not I've not checked out either of the albums from that uh, that band. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's a lot of sort of musicians where like you know they didn't have a huge amount outside of this one release but the one release they had was really really good
So the next album I want to cover is the final release from Morbid Music. This is Polluted Inheritance with Ecocide. So this is the one album that came out in 1992. It's the only band on the label that weren't from Germany. They're actually um, from the Netherlands. And the, these guys, they lasted a touch longer than the other bands, putting out a further sort of two albums into the early 2000s. Um, Metal Archives list them as playing technical death metal, and what's interesting with Ecocide versus the the other albums on, I'd say, the, this label is what immediately stands out about it to me is the rhythm section, and possibly some of that's the way it's recorded. Like the the drums and bass on this sound absolutely huge. It has this really heavy sort of clanging bass tone, and like the just the way that the kick and snare are kind of in the mix they, they both sound very very thick and sort of full-on and take up a lot of space but also i do think there's a, it's a certain degree of the songwriting like the the drum performance is very complex and ever-changing the bass throws in loads of like fills and interesting sort of deviations from the riff whereas the guitars while by no means simple do a lot more sort of like chugging or like quick tremolo picking like just going along with like sort of you know, a single note following the groove that's led by the the drums and bass. The vocal performance is is a great um, uh, kind of very in your face attack. Uh, uh, Ronald Camonier uh, um, has this, yeah, like sort of. It, it's it's lower than the other guys. It's I, I guess I like, even I might hear a touch of like hardcore in it. There's a very sort of belligerent energy to his vocals very very in your face and polluted inheritance like the whole sound is is very geared towards that i i feel the the album is is quite kind of intense and in your face there isn't there isn't much sort of there isn't the, the jumping jesus level of experimentation or kind of the immortalis uh evil and there's there's no dabbling with doom this is this is fast complex but also very to the point like a lot of three minute long songs like the the, the album is 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 only only just over half an hour long um and yeah just a lot of like real intensity to it i'm possibly underselling the the sort of guitar performance on this there are lots of like moments of fun like dive bombs thrown in there or slightly kind of evil horror movie sounding riffs thrown in every so often like the the performance is is cool and technical and interesting it's just like as i say uh, that, that mix just always draws me towards um how sort of the the drum and bass kind of sounds in it the style as well like has as a like like i don't maybe hardcore's the wrong thing but it sort of has that sort of almost like new york death metal bluntness to it the the logo of the band literally looking like a kind of um like a stamp on it of like this kind of block capitals and and yeah ecocide being the, the again like not in a particularly fancy font although the, the cover still is like kind of a fairly demonic looking painting i think some of it is just really showing the difference between the sort of Netherlands death metal scene and the uh the German one like there's something a bit more kind of I guess like esoteric about the the German death metal scene whereas the Netherlands death metal scene was a lot of very good very to the point music uh, you know you think about bands like Gorefest well at least early Gorefest was you know what if Napalm Death didn't play as fast like it, in, in a very cool way um I'm generalizing there, and it's possibly unfair, but yeah, this this one seems like a bit of an outlier compared to the the other morbid music releases. But it is once again another really decent debut where I, I'd say like Andy's done a, a solid job in the recording. It sounds unique compared to the other four. Like the the these the the, the mixing is is very different. They, they've done a good job of capturing all those instruments and actually finding a space for like the bass in the mix this is a very impressive bass tone for 1992 i can't think of many albums from this era where the bass cuts through in such a sort of intense manner uh mena de the the player as well he's he's very gifted like really really decent um credited with a few other bands but i don't don't really know the uh 
history of them like I, and i haven't checked out the the later polluted inheritance releases i don't know if the sort of the two they put out after this are, are worth checking out or not um as it stands for a final release from morbid music i'd say this is probably the least interesting of the three uh, albeit it's very competent what it does and has less like kind of almost like failed experimentation that's like you know moments of the other albums are marred by some some ideas that didn't quite work this is kind of in that way almost a bit too polished and and perfect that it's not quite as remarkable or memorable as the other three but it's still a very enjoying listen and like if you like the sound of that sort of more rhythmically focused death metal i, I still think it's worth checking out like none of these releases are anything other than really good for the time period like taking into account this is still the early days of of the scene we're you know we're, we're looking at the period where like most bands you like from from the kind of first wave of death metal are on their second maybe third album in the case of like some of the early ones like cannibal corpse but yeah a lot of the classics haven't even started at this point and i think the all four of these bands were incredibly competent so yeah that's morbid music it's an interesting kind of point in time from a country that kind of features less in the discussion of of death metal or particularly you know the the early wave of it um possibly overshadowed by the you know the incredibly successful peers in in the thrash scene but i, I think this is a, a like if you're you're interesting and discovered more about the the german death metal scene i feel these these bands might be a cool place to start so the few related project there's a few things you can see him go off into and i'd be interested to check out the rest of the the albums on on west virginia like um the, the couple of those other other death metal ones looked interesting i i I think there's a band called Burial. I remember having a debut that was pretty cool, but it's been a long time since I checked that out. Voices, I have to bid me welcome. My time has come to face all the trials. Fulfill their need of death and dissing pusher him. Do I live? Do I die? So to close out the episode, I'm going to do a little bit of self-promotion. So yeah, sorry, the comeback has actually just been a trap to trick you into listening to an advert for some shit I've been up to. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> but I promise there will be more. Don't worry. This is, I'm not just bringing it back for this. But I, I did want to plug this because um, it's something I'm really proud of. Um, as as listeners may know, sort of I occasionally do sort of music stuff. I've been in a few bands over the years. I was very privileged recently to be asked to record bass for the third Bloodrust album at Glory's End, which um, came out I think back in back in April now. Um, Bloodrust, if you don't know, are the Falkland Islands only metal band. Um, 
guitarist, vocalist, songwriter, drum programmer Richard um, basically desperately needed a bass player at last minute back in December, and um, I had about four weeks to to learn, write, and record all the bass lines for this album, and I've got to admit, I'm incredibly proud of how how it all turned out. So, if you're not familiar with the band, I, um, they play a variety of like pretty classic old school death metal. I, I've always felt it was very rooted in in kind of acts like Bolt Thrower, like a lot of the classic early British death metal. But a lot of reviews and sort of friends I've heard have have stated that they they feel it's you know got an influence on stuff like. Um, Dismember or Unleashed is is one that got referenced a lot. I think particularly because of um, uh, Richard's kind of vocal delivery. But legitimately, I I think this is a really cool album. Like sort of the thing was mostly written before I got there, so I can I can say I I genuinely like all the riffs on this. If you if you are into that kind of um, older throwback style, that the kind of you know, if you liked sort of that morbid music stuff I was talking about earlier, it's not quite in that vein, but I, I, I feel this this would appeal in the same way. Dominic Helmuth did a fantastic job uh, sort of mixing and mastering it. I, I think it, I, it sounds really solid for something I know to be sort of recorded around the place and, you know, featuring program drums, which are a tricky thing to to make sound decent and he even lends a guest uh, guitar solo because he's also an incredible guitarist well worth checking out his uh, band Nightbearer both their albums are really solid and the album was graced uh, with a solo from old Drake of Evile who yeah puts in a fantastic performance on one track I say if, if you you know if you can stomach more OSDM at a time where I know it's um it's kind of an overcrowded market. I really think this this was a decent release, and I'm incredibly proud of it. So, please, uh, please check it out. And anyway, uh, thanks a lot for listening to the episode. Um, yeah, please let me know if you you want to hear sort of more of this. Like, if you if like, let me know you're listening to the podcast again. It's um, yeah, I, I I do intend to to release a fair few more episodes in in the near future as long as I can keep coming up with ideas for them. Basically. Oh, 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 o